Hey, I'm Tiffany A. from Tennessee, and I'm a beautiful creepster, and you're listening to A Paranormal Chicks. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 105. And you just heard from Tiffany A. She is newly in the Creepinati, and we are so glad that she is a beautiful creepster. So if you want to follow in her footsteps and introduce an episode like this, go on over to patreon.com forward slash the APC podcast. Teamwork makes a dream work. Something like that. Do you think that's why it's called DreamWorks? The production company? Maybe. Or it's called DreamWorks because they had dreams and it's works from their dreams. Mm, probably that. <laughs> probably that. <laughs> All right. The first one is Sinister Sightings and a Slurpee for Carrie. Hey, you guys. Insert sloth from the Goonies here. <laughs> Hiya from Satan's Ass Crack. <laughs> Arizona, where it's middle of August, and you can step outside and get cremated. Poof. Just like that. <laughs> for reals. Today, I'm doing a story just for Miss Carrie. True crime, Arizona's dumbest version. Back in, I believe, 2000, I was working as a manager at a local pizza place. I'd been having a really shitty day with my store manager and had actually got into a heated argument with him and the district manager. Like, I would be okay if I just never spoke to either of them fuckers ever again. We didn't have an actual cash register, just a drawer with a lock that the cashier would manually open and make change. Um, question, did you work at Domino's? Because that's where I worked in high school, and that's exactly how it was. (laughs) And we had a manager and a district manager. Oh, God. (laughs) As is every other chain ever known to man. But y'all had a pizza college. (laughs) They did. I never had a problem with shortages, so it wasn't anything I really worried about. So my cashier this day was a kid that I will call Butterbean, like the boxer. I thought it was like food. Yeah, the boxer. That's what we'll go with. (laughs) Yeah. He had actually said to call him that, though I usually just called him by his given name. Basically, this kid was a big old corn-fed, 6'5", 300 pounds, and only like 16 or 17. Backstory really quick. His father was a cabbie out here and had been murdered maybe two months previous. And either just his head or his body had been found out on the res. And there was a bit of animosity going on here as the two people responsible were native. Anyway, back to my story. Guy comes in and orders a pizza. Supreme with anchovies. Ew. Ew. (laughs) I mean, not to judge y'all, but... Ew. Ew. (laughs) I don't like anything. Like, fish-wise. Well, a lot of You don't like anything. (laughs) A lot of things. Yes. Okay. BB rings him up, and the guy hands him a 10. It's actually a few dollars more, and he tells BB he'll be back with the rest. The guy is drunk, like holding the wall up drunk. BB calls me over after he leaves and tells me, dude, he just walked off and left the $10. Should I put the order in? 
And I tell him, yeah, go ahead. Then, being the kid he really is, asks if the guy doesn't come back, could he keep the $10? I told him that I'd see how the till came in at the end of the night, and if I was over, then yes, I'd leave the $10 out for him to grab the next day. No biggie, as customers do sometimes leave tips to the workers in front. The drunken guy comes back. BB walks up to me and said that he would protect me if he got belligerent. I told him if he did, I would personally kick his ass and call his mama and tell her to kick his ass too. He's a kid and he doesn't need to worry about protecting anybody but himself. Since his dad passed away, he was the oldest boy and had become a bit hypervigilant about protecting people. Poor guy. I turned the maglock on just in case he did get stupid and ended up somehow outside he couldn't come back in. I just told him to keep an eye on him. I'm standing behind the cut table, bagging wings with my driver, when I hear this weird snort, inhale, slash slurp kind of noise. I'm like, this mutter trucker best not be puking in this store. I am already in a, I just want to burn this fucking place down, but I got kids and I don't really look good in orange kind of mood. Like, fuck no asshole, your ass is going to clean up your own puke. I ain't your bitch, and I ain't your mama. So I look at the guy, and he's got white all over his face, like he's been eating a powder donut, and she was in love. I'm like, what the holy hell did I just witness? I asked my driver, T, is this moron huffing in here? Huffing is a huge problem out here. Spray paint into a plastic bag and inhale to kill as many brain cells as possible, small town fun. We both look up again and know he was not huffing. He's cutting fucking coke lines on my counter. T looks at me and we look again and this guy is licking the coke up off the counter, wetting his finger, wiping the nooks and crannies and sucking each of them off like... Dude could only see in a wet dream. Ew! There's a customer standing next to him with this absolute look of horror. I quickly hand that customer his pizza and he gets the fuck out of there. Meanwhile, Slurpee over there has slipped behind the soda cooler and is going to town licking those fingers trying to get every little morsel. At this point, I tell BB and T quietly that I'm going to call the cops and to stall him. I mean, it's a small town, and I couldn't see turning someone loose that was this fucked up, and he didn't even know where he was. He wasn't mean or aggressive, just silently going down on his fingers, looking like a porn star, and me wanting to take notes. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Anyway, I told the guy to push the pizza in the back of the oven. I went senior slurpy a lot that I was totally sorry, but we had dropped his pizza and was having the boys make him a large, he ordered a medium, and throwing in a six pack of wings. He was cool with it, so I thanked him and went into the office to call the police. Really quick, the town is still pretty small at this time. The police department is literally four blocks away. This is how that call went. 911 dispatcher, what's the nature of your call? Me. Um, yes, this is the manager on duty over here at Domino's. I fucking told you. (laughs) I need someone to get out here. Dispatcher, what's going on, ma'am? Me, I got a customer here in my lobby doing lines of cocaine on my counter. (laughs) 
dispatcher, ma'am, can you repeat that? I think I heard you wrong. <laughs> Me. I got a dude jacked up doing lines on my counter, like cocaine. He's hiding behind my cooler, slurping on his fingers. I wanted to say eating his hands out, but I digress. <laughs> dispatcher, hold up. Covering phone, calling other officers over. Y'all got to hear this. Ma'am, he's doing what? Me. He's snorting coke on my counter. I'm not sure if I should tell him to leave or keep him here so he doesn't walk in front of a car or something. I don't know. Dispatcher, still laughing, mind you. Can you describe him? Me. 30s, native guy, tie-dyed MC Hammer pants, flip-flops. Dispatcher, okay, we're on our way. Just try to keep him there for a moment. Cops show up like two minutes later and see Slurpinator. <laughs> He's been given some wings and is sitting on the floor eating said wings like a good boy. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm just thinking how sticky his fingers were from his tongue. I'm just thinking, thank God this was pre-COVID. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Cop. Hey, sir, what are you doing? Slurpy. Eating wings. <laughs> they, they good. <laughs> smiles huge up at him. Cops pulled him up to stand. They notice he still looks like he's been given head to a powdered donut and now with barbecue sauce everywhere that isn't white. Sir, what's that all over your face there? Slurpee, haha, powder. Oh, gosh. Taking finger and wiping it off his chin. <gasps> Cops, what kind of powder? Slurpee, probably illegal. <laughs> I don't know why he's country in my life. Uh, can I have my pizza now? I was already pissed off. Then I look up and see that he had pissed up against my counter. Like from about three feet up, there's a fucking wet mark and it trails all the way down and pulls around the counter. The fuck? If I wanted to clean up someone else's piss, I would have stayed at home and changed a diaper or something. Literally, BB had to tell me to sit down. I'm sorry, miss, but let the cops deal with him because I wanted to grab his ass out of the cop car, bring him in, and rub his damn face in the piss. Then I had to call my store manager, who was still pissed at me, and I was living with him. So, backstory, store manager and his wife met in Cocaine Anonymous. I thought he was going to shit his pants laughing. Fucker. They said that. I was stuck with the store smelling like burnt fish because the cop wouldn't take the pizza off my hands. Oh, those anchovies. Thankfully, I had a new job a month later. The end. How small town is small town, you ask? Well, T's car had died about a month prior to all this fuckery, and he was a driver, so needed one. I see him the next time, and he's got a new car. Ask him what it costs. His answer, I shit you not, three bells of hay and one of my sows. I hope you girls like this completely fucked up story. We'll send you some more soon. Creep it real, Willow. Oh my goodness. You had some good names for him. Jesus. Uh. No, that wasn't one of them, but. <laughs> oh gosh. When he uh, wiped his chin, like with his thumb, or maybe I'm just making that sexual, with his thumb. That is sexy when a guy does it, but not him doing it. No. Him doing it, I mean. Oh, I was like, you don't think so? Yeah, him doing it? Absolutely not. No. 
If he did it to you, he'd probably miss your face because he was doing it to your other face that he saw because he's seeing two of you. Right. Oh, my gosh. Well, I was very upset because I was like, a Slurpee just for Carrie, but never mind. She could have him. I thought it was going to be like Wild Cherry or something. But I'm sorry, what? Fuck me! <laughs> Why would you? Of all the flavors. <laughs> flavors. I like Coke, it. blueberry. I like blueberry. I don't like Coke. Coke is my only one I ever get. God! <laughs> also... I only get ices. I've never gotten a Slurpee in my life. I don't know the difference, actually. But. Well, I've only gotten one, and it was at a 7-Eleven yeah, in, in California. California. But, I mean, I think I actually have gotten a Slurpee because I have been to a 7-Eleven in California. <laughs> God, but you're so small so town, <laughs> tourists. Could we be more tourists right now? There's a 7-Eleven, guys. Gotta get a Slurpee. <laughs> However, here they're ices, and I always get the Coke flavor. I do get blue raspberry. Say it again. Cherry. There you go. Wild cherry. You know, words are very hard for me. Specifically, cheery. <laughs> I'm very cheery that I have a cherry. Oh, not anymore. <laughs> hey, Donna and Carrie, it's Alphabet again. This time I have three quick stories for you. They're not long enough on their own to send separately, so I combine them into one email. The first is sort of paranormal adjacent story. My grandfather has Alzheimer's, and that can probably explain this, but it's still creepy nonetheless. Several times throughout the day, he will decide to wander around his house for no apparent reason. On these occasions, he frequently ends up in his bedroom. He will call my grandmother in to ask who the lady sleeping in their bed is. There is never anyone there, so of course that freaks out my grandma. Nothing else ever happens in their house, but he asks that at least once a day. The second is a rather dark two-year period that my former elementary school went through. Over the course of those two years, there were several deaths among people related to the school. A teacher's aide died of cancer. I don't remember what kind. Another teacher died of prostate cancer. A young boy ended up getting caught in some rope and strangling himself to death at his home, not school. And finally, a teenager who was a former student shot and killed his entire family and his girlfriend. The mother was a teacher at our school, and at least one of his siblings still attended the school. After shooting his entire family, he attempted to die by suicide. He was in the hospital for several days, but survived. Unrelated to the school, but during the same time frame, one of my scout leaders was arrested for child rape. (gasps) Wow. Third is about a dark period my high school went through. Over the course of a year, four students' fathers died by suicide. There were a few more suicides than that over the course of my four years, but that was the most concentrated period. Strangely, the other suicides were also parents of students. Not one student died by suicide throughout those four years, though a few did attempt. Anyway, thanks again for the amazing podcast, Creep It Real and Don't Get Scared, Alphaba. That is so much heartbreak for one community. Wow, right? And you're right, it probably is the Alzheimer's. I'm not an expert at all, but what if it is because he has Alzheimer's that he is more open to the spirit world? People with Alzheimer's do have hallucinations, though. 
Okay. See, I, t- I was just being neutral, you know? Mm-hmm. We never really had dark periods like that. I feel like, I don't know. But it really is so strange to go back and when you remember someone and you're like, they're dead. Like someone we graduated with is dead or whatever. Like, I don't know. It's so weird to think because like I'm alive. They should be alive because we graduated together. Mm-hmm. And I know we can't begin to understand the place that someone's in when they attempt to die by suicide. But if you're in that place, just know you're not alone and please reach out for help. Definitely. Okay. The next one is called a leprechaun, a couple of possible doppelgangers and an ambient story. Oh, that sounds like a barrel of fun. Hey girlies. It's Azana. Azana actually reads tarot cards and has read cards for us and did a great job. So she's in the Facebook group. So check her out. I've been listening to you gals for a while now and decided to go ahead and send in a few stories. Although this email will be long, this is not the extent of my nor my family member's stories. I'm going to start with a couple of my dad's personal stories because he has had several sinister sightings. My dad has been practicing martial arts since he was a kid, and this story takes place back in his youth. One day, he was outside practicing his techniques when he started hearing a rustling coming from the detached garage that was near where his punching bag hung. He tried to ignore it at first and assumed that an animal had somehow gotten in there. My dad continued to practice, but the longer he did, the louder and the more annoying the rustling became. Eventually, he decided to go look around the outside of the garage to see if there were any cracks or holes that an animal could have gotten in there, but it was all sealed up. Upon seeing that there was absolutely no way anything could have gotten in, he decided to go get my grandpa, who we called Pop, to unlock the garage and go check. I think maybe my dad was 13 or so at this point, so a little bit of a chicken despite all his training. Finally, Pop came out, young dad in tow, And opened the garage door. And believe it or not, as soon as that door was open, a man with flaming red hair, very closely resembling my ginger dad's own hair, a green hat, green vest, green shirt, green pants, and black gold buckled shoes came jumping out towards them and ran off down the street. In shock and momentarily frozen, my dad and grandpa just stared, dumbfounded. After a few seconds, they snapped out of it, jumped in their car, and speedily raced down the street for about a block or two, trying to chase him down. Then, out of nowhere, he simply disappeared. I know that sounds so far-fetched and silly, but... Both my dad and grandpa were able to recount this story in absolutely the same detail as each other at separate moments in time to me, my siblings, and my cousins. I have no reason not to believe them, but I'm so jealous that I didn't get to see it too. They never saw him again, and of course, nobody around them when it happened believed them at all. But it does leave one question in my mind. Do we miss out on our Irish ancestry fortune since they couldn't catch him? My first story may have seemed weird, but this next one is super creepy and one of my favorite stories that he tells. This one also takes place when he was a kid, but I think he may have been a little younger than the previous story. To begin, 
I need to give you a little backstory since this one also involves my grandma, who I call Nanny. Nanny and Pop always had their own chairs in the living room. Nobody was allowed to sit in those specific chairs except for the chair's owners. That was their rule. That was fine, though, because there was always a couch or two as well, so plenty of space for everyone. My grandparents also had an unhealthy love of Dr. Pepper, my nanny specifically. So much so that my dad joked about wanting to paint a bottle of Dr. Pepper and a pack of cigarettes, my grandparents' other vice, and cause of death for both of them, on my grandma's coffin when she passed. Of course, he didn't actually do that, but I honestly think he should have. Anyways, my dad and my aunt weren't allowed to drink the Dr. Pepper without permission, so of course, my dad's little bad self decided to sneak into the kitchen one night while my grandparents were sleeping. When the time to commit his crime came, he stuck his head into his parents' open bedroom door to make sure that they were both indeed asleep, and once satisfied, he made his way into the kitchen. He did his thing, snuck a glass of forbidden fizz, and began heading back to his room. He had to go through the living room to get back to his room and happened to glance up into the darkness of said living room into the direction of Nanny's recliner, then froze dead in his steps. Why, you ask? Because he saw his mom sitting in her chair, smiling at him like someone who had just caught a criminal, stuck her hand out, and bent her finger in a come-here type of gesture. Realizing he was about to get in trouble and there was no sense in trying to get out of it, he walked, still in the dark, towards his mom. However, right before he was within an arm's length away, the full moon shined through the window above and revealed, although this woman looked exactly like his mom, she had no eyes. Where the eyes should have been was just pitch black orbs looking straight at him. As her smile grew into one of triumph, as she began to slowly rise and assume the standing position. Terrified, my dad started quickly backing away towards the hall, never taking his eyes off the warped version of my nanny, who at this point was just standing there watching him. The further he got, the faster he backed up. To his surprise and terror, he bumped into what felt like a human body behind him. Swiftly, he turned around and was grabbed by the shoulders by his mom, the real one, the one that was asleep when he went into the kitchen, the one that birthed him, the one that loved him. Upon realizing it was my actual grandma, he quickly looked back behind him towards the living room and the chair, both of which were completely empty and void of any creature, living or dead. He was so spooked that he didn't even bother explaining what just happened to Nanny. He just took his punishment and went back to bed. So what do you think? Doppelganger? Dark spirit? Demon? Which is it? I'm interested to know what y'all think. My dad has so many other stories too, and most of my childhood was spent living in several haunted houses. I'm not sure if the houses themselves were haunted or if it's my dad that is a magnet to the spirit world. All right, so now for my possible doppelganger story, then I'll end the email with a short ambient story. So here's mine. When I was in my senior year of high school, I moved out of my dad's house and into my maternal grandfather's house. He and my grandma had lived in this house since I was around three or four. I'm now 26. Most of my childhood memories take place in this house. 
This was the house you went to when you had nowhere else to go. Several of my family had lived with Papo throughout the years as he had been in this house. My mom, all of her siblings, and several of my cousins have taken up residency once or twice in that home. I have personally lived there twice. If you ask any of us, every single one, except maybe Matteo David, the soon-to-be star of this email, will tell you they have seen, felt, or heard something paranormal happen in that house. I can tell you how I used to feel uneasy in the foyer by the front door or how the den seems way more zen now than the rest of the house or how the living room would randomly start feeling heavy for no good reason or how the basement is just weird feeling altogether. But nope, that's not what's happening in this story. This story takes place when just my Tio David and I were home. Usually, when he is home, he still lives there with my grandparents and his oldest sister. He hides out in his bedroom. He is super antisocial, and when he does come around, he's just overall negative and wants to criticize everyone about everything all the time. He used to be friendlier, but time, life experience, and his own sense of self-worth have worn him down. So picture this. In the living room, there is a recliner that faces the TV at the opposite end, but you also get a good view of the T-shaped hallway. When you first start going down the short body of the T, you have a hall closet on the left and the water heater closet thing on the right. When you get to the part where the body joins the top of the T, you have Matteo's bedroom on the left, a closet door, on the wall directly to the right of his door, if you're facing the door. And then across from the closet door is the bathroom door, the left of his door, if you're facing it. If you're standing right where the body and the top of the T are perpendicular, and you turn right, you will be facing my grandparents' room. And to the left of their door, as you're facing it, is the bedroom that was my room. There's no door opposite my room. Anyways, on this particular day, as I said, it was just my uncle and I. I was sitting on the recliner that faces the hallway and watching TV. After a little while, I saw my Tio walk from his room to my grandparents' room, and I didn't think much of it for a while. I just kind of thought it was weird that he was going to their room, but I didn't want to question him or talk to him at all, to be honest, so I continued to watch TV. But for some reason, I kept thinking about how weird it was that he was going towards mine and my grandparents' room. He literally never, ever did that. He has a set path. When he gets off work, he comes to the garage, to the kitchen, to maybe get food to eat, then walks across the living room, down the hall, straight to his room. He never strays from that routine, except if he isn't hungry or decides to go through the den, Instead, so as not to disturb Papo and Memo's TV time. After about 15 minutes of obsessively thinking about this, I decided to go to my grandparents' room to see if I can figure out what he's doing in there. Well, I went, walked around their whole room, went into their ensuite bathroom, then into their bedroom closet, and there was no sign of him. So then I checked my room, at this point panicking because nobody went into my room, and at that point I was still hiding my personal magic practices from my grandparents and my uncle. My grandpa used to be a pastor, so I didn't want to have to have a conversation about that with him. Well, my uncle wasn't in my room either. 
I start to get super anxious, though, because I knew for a fact that I had seen him walk that way, and I knew for a fact that I did not see him walk back, and I was head on facing that hallway the whole time I was thinking about it. Eventually, I went to his room, knocked on the door. He answered it, and I asked him if he had gone into Papo's room. He looked at me like I was stupid, a normal thing for him, and told me he hadn't even left his room to go to the restroom in over an hour. So I was feeling fucking insane. I explained to him what had happened, and he laughed at me. Not an amused laugh, though. A mocking laugh. You need to get out of your fantasy world. You didn't see me. You didn't see anything. I've been here the whole time. At this point, my anxiety was skyrocketing, and I felt so crazy. It was a ridiculous overreaction of emotion on my part, but I was terrified. I was so scared, and the only person who could possibly comfort me at that moment was laughing at me for what I had seen. I have no clue to this day who or what it was, but I know it wasn't my uncle, and I know I saw it. Whatever I saw was solid, had form, looked human. It looked exactly like my uncle, but it wasn't. Nobody likes that hallway. Even my four-year-old daughter told me this weekend when we were visiting that hallway was too dark and it scared her. The hallway light was on. It wasn't dark when she said that, but she refuses to walk in that hallway by herself. Everyone gets anxious going into that hallway. Now, my papo is suffering from Alzheimer's and it has me wondering if he's seeing the spirits in his house now that he's getting closer to the brink of death or is he still blind to them? I'll never know because he's already to the stage where he asks you the same question 20 times in an hour so I doubt he could even remember if he had seen anything recently but I'm still curious. Okay so now for the ambient story. It's a short one and may paint my mother in a bad light, but please know I have always had terrible insomnia from the moment I was born. No matter what this story tells you, she didn't do the thing to harm me. She was trying to help. When I was 13, I was having a really terrible time sleeping. I had taken some Tylenol PM, drank chamomile tea, listened to relaxing music, and just could not go to sleep. So, as a last resort, my mom decided to give me half an Ambien. She was prescribed it, and I'm sure she has several stories I could tell you, so I'm going to try to squeeze some out of her soon, just for you, Donna. Thank you. I thank you in advance. We all thank you. Well, you would think it would work. Even though it was just a half, I was only 13. It was a strong prescription, so it should have worked. However, it did not put me to sleep at all whatsoever. Rather, it made me walk around like a drunk idiot and laugh at stupid shit. It was the first time I had ever felt high. But I did. I was high as a fucking kite on this damn Ambien. Being 13, I had this little boyfriend or whatever, not whatever, he is my first love and I still have mad love for him 13 years later, even though we actively do not talk anymore, but I digress. I had this boyfriend and I was on the phone with him as the pill started to kick in. I was getting ridiculously loopy in conversation and I don't remember most of the conversation anymore, maybe because it was 13 years ago, but whatever. But I do recall part of that conversation being about discussing Katy Perry's I Kissed a Girl, and I was singing it on the phone, and he was making some pervy teenage boy remark 
Then I suddenly realized I had to pee. So I got off my mom's bed where I was laying and started walking towards her ensuite bathroom. It was maybe three steps away from her bed, not far at all. But as I was entering the bathroom, my feet just stopped working and I fell face first onto the tile of the bathroom floor. Oh my gosh. The phone was still right next to my face, exactly as it had been when I got (laughs) off the bed. My boyfriend heard everything and began freaking out, asking what that loud thud was and if I was okay. (laughs) I didn't answer him for what I'm sure felt like forever to him. I may have been in shock. Then I bust out laughing so fucking loud and I just couldn't stop laughing. I was laying stomach down, face against the tile, phone against my ear, just laughing. The laughter went on for a straight five minutes with me trying to explain to him what had just happened between cackles. Then I remembered I had to pee, stood up, using the bathroom sink as leverage, muted the phone, went and did my business, and that's all I can remember from the night. But the memory pops up every now and then, and I still giggle about it to this day. (laughs) That's all my stories for now, gals. Love you both. Creep it real, Azana. Oh my goodness. It's so funny, but so frustrating when you are like giggling and no one thinks it's funny as you do. And but that makes it funnier. You know what I mean? You're like, eh, I'm being annoying, but I can't help it. And it's so fucking funny. Yeah. Unless you're the person that doesn't think it's funny. And then you're like, oh, my God. Because <laughs> you're usually the one laughing. <laughs> and I'm usually the one like, Jesus fucking Christ. <sighs> true. True, true, true. <laughs> But I'm usually the boyfriend on the phone, but not on the phone, just in life with Carrie because she drops her phone everywhere. She's clumsy as fuck. So like last night I was like, Carrie, I don't even know what she did, (laughs) but it sounded like she fell. I think she dropped her phone. No, I just knocked something off of the disc. Oh. Well, uh, shit definitely follows your dad. Oh, yeah. Good thing you saw those damn eyes. That's like a movie moment. Like the moonlight panned up and he saw the yeah. eyes. Oh, that is so creepy. And I definitely believe it was a doppelganger. I don't think it was a doppelganger. You I think, don't it think it was so? a uh, some sort of like bad guy. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, like a doppelganger, like just is like living its alternate life. It's not like, come here, little boy. No, it could be evil. But it would be like, come here. I think so. That really did sound like insidious or something. Those movies. Mm-hmm. Okay. Next one is Sinister Sightings Twin Slash Sleep Paralysis. Hi, Donna and Carrie. I recently came across you on Spotify and I love it. I've been binging constantly at work and killed about 20 episodes this week. Damn. I guess first off, I should say that I have nightmares just about every day of my life. So much that I even named my band Her Worst Nightmare after having month-long dreams involving a woman I've never been able to identify. This experience wasn't a nightmare because I was awake and it's the one truly frightening, confusing instance in my life that I've never been able to make sense of. This is kind of short, but it definitely freaked me out. One night, I was sleeping with my then-girlfriend, and I woke up with a feeling that somebody was watching me or needing me. It's hard to explain. So I laid about two minutes and sat there wide awake until I mustered up the energy to turn over and get up. 
It was then that I rolled over to see my girl laying on her side, elbow on the bed, resting the side of her face in her palm, silent but smiling the most perfect smile I'd ever seen on anyone. I smiled back and rolled towards her with my arm completely extended to scoop her up, and the next thing I know is I fall flat on my face, and she's dead asleep on her stomach. I shot up and stared at her, and even after giving her a few shakes, she was sound asleep. Confused and mortified, I didn't sleep the rest of the night and ended up about two hours early for work that morning. I've never made sense of it, and I haven't gotten anything but skeptical comments from friends and family, but I know what I saw and I cannot forget it. That smile could have been in magazines, TV, movies. It was perfect. I'm not too familiar with what can cause this, and I've never had sleep paralysis that I'm aware of, but I'm getting more into researching it. Thank you very much for your time and giving us all a killer outlet to get our horror fix. Looking forward to hearing more and wish you all the best. Creep It Real, Jay from Chicago. Well, there's another smile because uh, the one you just read had that big smile from the grandma. Yeah, uh, but no eyes. Yeah, no eyes. Oof. But he couldn't get away from her smile, so she might not have eyes either. Flash forward, like, I don't know, a year later from now when Jay, like, sees the nightmare lady in real life. And he's like, <gasps> that's her. He's going to be on Jurassic Park. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Oh, well, you know. Sound effects machines. Jay, have you watched any of our lives? <laughs> you like extra large pizzas? With big lips, little eyes, <laughs> little T's. Well, now that I'm sexually harassing our listeners. Yes. Nothing new. <laughs> All in good fun. I would say in jest, but she ain't jesting. She's suggesting. I mean, I am suggesting, but. Her number. <laughs> 601. <laughs> 555. Broadcast drive. <laughs> well. I want to hear what the listeners think because, you know, they're smarter than us. Right. On the girlfriend that wasn't awake but was asleep. Also, though, I feel like there's a meme. It's like that but not scary because it says, um, I rolled over to, like, hug my significant other but fell on my face because I forgot I was single. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, that's, that's him. But, you know, he wasn't single and she was asleep. Yeah. Way to make it about you, Donna. <laughs> I mean, this whole thing. Like, Way hey, do you do you, you like me? Would you like me? Pick me. Also, though, I don't think it was sleep paralysis since you did move. I don't know. I don't know, but that's, that is creepy. Because you were awake. Or were you? That's even creepier. Like, when you think you're awake, but you're actually asleep. Oh. Pinch yourself next time. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Pinching myself. <laughs> Hey ladies, I'm a new listener and I'm still working my way through the episodes from the beginning. I heard your call for Sinister Sightings and just listened to the first two and decided to share a couple of stories from a place I performed in for many years and later worked at for a stint. So as you might be able to guess, the building in question was slash is a theater. It's the Stadium Theater in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. I hope I said it right. And it was built in 1926. I should say that I've never had any big experiences in there, 
except the feeling of being watched or the random light flickering. I would pass it off as me being in the large space, the theater seats 1100, and some of the wiring being old. My first story takes place during the summer when we would hold kids camp, and I should also point out that the theater was undergoing some demo and remodeling, not in the immediate theater itself, but on an adjoining part of the building. One day, a parent of one of the kids came in to talk to the head of the campers. We'll call her L. And she said her daughter was coming home talking about a man in a hat who was just watching the children, but no one else had seen him, nor had any of the counselors, including herself, heard anything of it. Well, her mother explained to Elle that the girl seemed to be sensitive and that they recently had a family member that passed away and the girl was telling her mom that she was seeing them. Yikes. Well, of course, the mom left Elle, came in the office, and told us about the situation. Fast forward a few days and I was in the lobby, standing on the grand staircase platform, looking at the table layout I had set up, We hosted dinner shows, and I was in charge of moving tables around and arranging the reservations. And the young girl came in, walked up behind me, and stood at the bottom of the staircase, staring up and not moving. Elle came over a minute later and said good morning to her. I turned to Elle and said, oh, is that the girl? And then I high-tailed it out of there. My next story involves one of my very good friends, and I believe every word because she's had other strange things slash dreams that are just too detailed to not be true. This takes place at the theater, but in a newly renovated slash constructed room for the dinner shows. Now, the rest of that building the room was attached to was a recent purchase by the theater was not touched yet. The plans to turn the old offices into classrooms, but you can access that part of the building by the staircase to get up to this new room. My friend Meg was directing a dinner show and got there plenty early to set up and get props out, which were stored in that part of the building, which wasn't touched yet. She went to open the door, gasped, and was startled because standing on the other side was a scraggly-looking woman wearing a cloak-esque type jacket. Meg recovered quickly, asking if she could help the woman and how she got into the building. The woman just said, I'm here to see the show, and she produced a ticket, but it was for the next night. Meg looked at the ticket and told her as much, but the lady repeated, I'm here to see the show and proceeded to give her the ticket again. Meg told her that the show is sold out and she will have to come back tomorrow night. She showed the lady how to get out using the correct door and watched her go. As soon as the lady walked out the door, feeling off about the situation, she followed because there was no way for the lady to have been able to get into that part of the building. But when she pushed open the door, she ran into the house manager for the night. With the lady nowhere to be found, Megan asked the house manager if he saw the lady. Because of timing, he would have. And said he saw no one and that no one came out of that door before her. It's been said that the man who built the theater is still hanging around. But like I've said, I've only had those minimal experiences in there. The theater is actually featured on a newer episode of Ghost Hunters, Season 10, Episode 7. And they caught some cool shit. Thanks for reading my story and creep it real. Oh, Mike.
Oh my gosh, that worked out that you did that. <laughs> like that you got it because I would have been like, ochre. <laughs> oh my goodness. I think I saw that one. I would have been like, okay, well, um, let's go over here and talk to these people over here and let's see if we can get your ticket situation worked out. Okay, thanks. Right. I don't know what to do in those kind of situations. Me either. Me either. Oh, my gosh. Well, one, I would have shit myself when I opened the door and ran into someone. My clumsy ass would have, I would have literally ran into her. Oh, God, you would have been playing two dot and and you really would have ran into her. And Carrie wouldn't have even known because she would have dissipated and been like, do, 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 do. Carrie, none the wiser. God, can we have a montage of Carrie's life when she has had paranormal sightings, but she's been on her phone? <laughs> the ghost is like, hey, hey. She's like, ooh, unlimited life, so I'm Candy Crush. All right. Hi again. I promised to follow up with this story about the haunted house where I grew up and my sister still lives in. This is a long one, so bear with me. The house is in New Hope, Alabama, and was built in 1964. My family was a second family to own it. The first owner died in the back bedroom. She was an extra, extra large pizza and had to be removed through the window because they couldn't get her out of the hallway. But she never haunted us. We bought the house around 1966 and moved in. All was great until 1972. In February of 72, we lost my grandfather. He was cutting down a tree and it fell and crushed him. After his funeral, you could hear a chainsaw being used in the woods in the middle of the night. At his funeral, my stepfather stood at the foot of his grave and said, Daddy, I'll be joining you before the year is out. What? Why? I don't know. Flash forward, July 1972, my stepfather dies on the operating table. Then November of 1972, my brother comes home from Korea for the holidays. He was scheduled to be here through the new year. On November 12th, he left the house with Christmas presents for his friends. And his last words to mom were, I'm going to go ahead and give them out. I won't be here at Christmas. And that night, he died in a car wreck under mysterious circumstances. After my stepfather's death, we were all in the living room and all of us heard the sound of a match, smelled the match, and then smelled pipe smoke. No one in the house smoked except my stepfather. After Ricky, my brother, died, mom woke up to the sound of a car pulling in the driveway, someone walking up to the house, opening the door, and walking in. She got up and looked, no one there. She looked in Ricky's room, and there he was, sitting on the edge of his bed. He got up, walked over to his dresser, laid his hand on the Bible, and vanished. The next night, same thing. Third night, she wanted proof that she was not losing her mind, so she had my sister stay over. Same routine. Car pulled up, someone walked in, went down the hall to his room, Mom was standing in the door with my sister and asked if she saw him. Shirley, with her eyes scrunched as tightly shut as she could, said no. Mom slapped her arm and told her to open her eyes, but she did not see him. And that was the last time he appeared. After all of this, Mom had enough and we moved back to Nashville to the funeral home house. My sister Shirley still lives in the house in Alabama. And you can still hear and see things. 
Once on a visit, my mom fell and broke her ankle. After taking her to the hospital and waiting on her surgery, me and the kids made our way back to the house to get some sleep. On the way back, I swear it rained frogs. They were everywhere, got back to the house, and settled in for sleep. About an hour later, I heard someone go out or come in and walk down the hallway. I asked the kids about it the next morning, and they were both adamant that they did not move. You can also be sitting in the living room, and it will sound like every dish in the kitchen gets thrown to the floor at the same time, but nothing's out of place. The last time we stayed, we slept in what was Ricky's room, and all night long, something kept sitting on the bed and bouncing the mattress. The house doesn't scare any of us because we're used to it, but my niece and several others will not go anywhere near it. I do have a couple of other stories about other places I'll send in later. Donna, I'm so glad you feel better. PEs are not fun. Love your podcast and everything you girls do. Creeping it real in Portland, Tennessee, Lisa. I didn't know there was a Portland, Tennessee. Me either. We probably said that the first time she wrote in. Also, thank you for the well wishes. I would not go in that house unless I had talked Carrie into getting GoPros and us investigating. Then we'd go. Then we'd go. I mean, I'd be really scared, though. How your mama did that and seeing her son those nights. No. Oh, my gosh. And then did your cousin, like, really see him and was just like, no, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, like, closing the eyes? Right. Did, like, they, she really not see him. I don't know. I don't know, but I know that your mama has been through a lot. Right. A gosh. husband, a son. I can't, I mean, whew. Y'all all have. Okay. The next one says, hey, ladies, Liz here, all the way from Ontario, Canada. I started listening to your podcast a few months ago. Our beautiful Miss Patrick Hines shouted you out on True Crime Obsessed, or maybe it was Obsessed with Disappeared. My scatterbrain ass can't remember. (laughs) Anyway, I'm already on episode 93, and I wanted to catch up on the latest pod, but I couldn't wait to email you about the two paranormal experiences I've had. Ooh. Picture it. Back when I was around 18, I'm 31 now, I was hanging out at my buddy's house. Let's call him Jim. Jim's dad passed away when he was around eight years old, and he always felt like he was with him in some way. He would tell me about shadows he would see out of the corner of his eye or human-shaped reflections in the TV screen when no one else was home. He was unsure if the things he was seeing were possibly his dad's spirit, but either way, they freaked him out. I, of course, believed him, but had never experienced anything paranormal before. One day, we were hanging out in his room, listening to music, and playing around on his acoustic guitar. We had the door closed. Mind out of the gutter, ladies. You don't know us at all, Liz. Okay, I mean, that's straight where I went, but... Totally. (laughs) Totally. Um, But apparently, so we wouldn't disturb his brother in the next room. Okay, so you're polite. I know. God, you have manners. So I was sitting on his bed. Okay, Liz. And he was seated in the chair beside his work desk. Okay, boring. Just kidding. At some point, I heard a faint rattling noise, but thought nothing of it since he had a dog. And I figured he was probably playing around in the hallway outside. Jim paused the music quickly and looked at me. I shrugged, but then we heard it again. We looked towards the door, and a few seconds later, the knob jiggled. I'm a rational person. My first instinct was to check it out. I assumed his brother was trying to mess with us or something. 
I got up quickly and flung the door open to try and scare him, but there was no one there. I called his brother's name, and he opened up his bedroom door, poking his head out. He looked at me quizzically, and I asked if he had been fiddling with a doorknob. He looked at me like I had two heads, and I asked him if he had the dog in his room. The dog had been in there the whole time as well. I shut the door again and sat back down, rationalizing. I said it was probably some sort of suction causing the door to vibrate from the air turning on or something. He was not convinced. A few minutes passed, and all of a sudden, the can of Arizona green tea, not a sponsor, (laughs) that had been sitting near the corner of his desk slowly slides four inches across the desk. My eyes widen, and I look at Jim. He was staring at me with the same saucer eyes. Did you see that? We both said at the same time. What in the ghostly fuck? (laughs) My brain immediately started calculating. What could have caused that can to move? I look over my shoulder to the window. It was shut, so it definitely wasn't the wind. I picked up the can, and it was full. It hadn't even been open yet, so it couldn't have been it moved by some mysterious wind anyway. Felt along the bottom of the can for condensation, thinking it may have been able to slide... If the moisture had built up, but it was bone dry. Seriously, y'all, I should have been a PI with these investigative skills. I looked at my friend. See, I told you, he said, and I could hear the nervousness in his voice. I suggested leaving to go hang out at the park instead, and we left the house with his brother and the dog, too. The second story comes from my early college days. I was about 20 and had taken a class called Paranormal Studies because, well, obviously. At the end of the semester, we went on a trip to Eaton Hall. A quick history. Eaton Hall is a massive 3,500 square foot home with 72 rooms. It was built in the 1930s for the wife of the founder of Eaton's department stores. Big name in Canada, but now it's out of business. It's now used as a conference center and hotel. Our professor took us on a little tour of the place, and then the lights were shut off, and he let us roam free for a couple of hours. We were all going to meet down in the kitchen slash food prep area when we were finished to debrief. Needless to say, I was really hoping to see a ghosty or see some shit get thrown around, but I wasn't overly hopeful. At one point, my professor told me to go into one of the rooms at the end of the hall alone, and I obliged. I walked into the hotel room, and it looked like any other I had been in before. Bed against the wall, a chair, a dresser, a TV, and a bathroom. I walked around slowly, my friend's voices echoing from the other end of the hall. It was dark, I had a flashlight, but my eyes had adjusted, and I didn't want to ruin that by turning it on. I told myself not to be a wimp and to look into the bathroom, half hoping to see someone or something standing there. Nothing. That's when I sat down on the bed. I immediately felt a kind of pressure change, like on a really humid day when the air is thick and harder to breathe. I took a slow, deep breath, but it was hard. My throat hitched and it made me cough. I thought maybe I was having an allergic reaction, but that had never happened to me before in my life. The rooms were clean regularly and there wasn't much dust around either. My chest felt like it had a weight on it. And so I thought, fuck this, and stood back up and left. 
As soon as I crossed the threshold of the room, the pressure lifted. That was weird, I thought. I walked back to the other end of the hall to meet up with my classmates and the professor. They were fooling around with a video camera, probably hoping to catch some orbs or something. The professor looked at me and shushed a few of the other students. He asked me if I had gone into that room, and I told him I had. He asked if anything had happened, and I raised an eyebrow at him. I told him what I experienced, but I felt like he already knew what I was going to say. He chuckled, and the other students were listening intently at this point. Someone was murdered in that room, he said. A man strangled his wife to death while she slept. I had full body chills, y'all. I tried to do some brief Carrie-esque research. Paula Gertrude, am I right? (laughs) I'm Bran. I feel the shade. But I couldn't find any information about the murder at Eaton Hall. I do find it strange that my experience lined up so perfectly with the story, though. At the end of the evening, we all meet up in the prep area as planned. I told my story to my friends while we waited for our professor to round up the rest of the class. One of the more annoying students was sitting nearby the piano and was hitting the keys obnoxiously. One of my friends yelled, shut up, you're going to piss off the spirits. (laughs) She rolled her eyes and all of a sudden a whole tray of cutlery came crashing to the floor. Oh my gosh. It made all of us jump and she obviously stopped messing with the piano. That guy said, cut the bullshit out. Right? Of course. It was cutlery. Oh. (laughs) That was very... Clever. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> I know it was bad. I'm not on my game. You said right. I knew you didn't get where I no. was coming from. <laughs> of course, I tried to figure out a logical explanation. But first, the cabinet that they fell out of had been closed tightly. And all of the cutlery was held in these tilted trays that were angled down and inward. So they could not have simply slid out. After having those two experiences, I'm convinced that there was something else hanging out with us at Eaton Hall. I have a few more spooky stories that my grandmother had told me from back home in Portugal, so I'll be sure to send them your way once I can talk to my mom to verify all the info. Thank you, ladies, so much for your hilarious podcast. All the Donna-isms and all the times that Carrie gets tongue-tied have made me laugh forever. You ladies are so awesome, and you really make us listeners feel connected to you. Ooh, feelings. Sorry, Carrie. Keep up the awesome work and stay spooky. Your Canadian creepster, Liz. P.S. Donna, I love burnt hot dogs, too. Yes! They're the best. Oh, my God. They're the best. Yeah, that uh, ghost was choking you. Or your professor knew what you felt and made the story to match it. Oh, maybe. But they also sent you in there. Yeah, like the professor was expecting that to happen. Mm-mm, I don't like that. I mean, I like choking, but not by uh, invisible hands. I like eye contact. Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay, y'all, last one. And uh, I think it's going to be a doozy. It's titled, The Demon in the Corner of My Room. Shit. Hi, ladies. My name is Maria, and yes, you can use my name, and I'm from Chicago. Hey, we had another person from Chicago. I want to start off by saying thank you. I came across this podcast during quarantine, and let me tell you, it has been the best form of entertainment. I'm hooked on your sinister sightings, and I'm so thankful since it's been almost seven months of quarantine. Anyway, I want to start off this story by letting you know that I'm an empath and 
am very in tune with energies. I love a good spooky ghost story, and I've had lots of paranormal experiences throughout my life. Some good, some a bit creepy, but this is the most recent and, for me, most terrifying. This is really long, so get ready, and my apologies in advance. I've lived in my current apartment for about four years. I live with my boyfriend, Andres, and my dad. For the most part, I've never felt afraid or like it was haunted. I always felt safe here. That was until last year. All of a sudden, one day, I noticed there was a corner in our bedroom that just felt off. At first, it began with that off feeling and me constantly side-eyeing it. But as the days and weeks progressed, it felt more intense and I started to grow afraid. I began to hear noises at night or even during the day if I was alone, and the presence seemed to just grow. It got to the point where I would make my boyfriend sleep on the side closer to it so I would feel safer. If I was home alone, I would close the door in my room, put on music or a podcast as to not hear anything and just avoid it anytime I could. I mean, even in the daytime, I was terrified. Then, after a while, it got so bad, I was barely sleeping, and everything in my body told me it wasn't just a ghost. It was something evil. I know it sounds crazy, but I felt it in my heart that whatever was in the corner of my room was watching me at all times, and I would feel its energy spread and suck mine. If I were laying down for the night and my boyfriend fell asleep, he always falls asleep in like two minutes, I genuinely don't get it, I would lie awake and instantly I would feel the fear take over me and surround me. I would feel like whatever was in that corner would just come closer to me. And if I looked in the corner, I would see a deep darkness. I didn't want to freak my dad or boyfriend out, so I didn't say anything to either for a while. But eventually, it got so bad that I had to tell my boyfriend. It felt crazy telling him, hey, uh, so I think there's a demon in the corner of our room. I basically don't sleep ever, and I'm afraid all the time. Like, how do you even tell someone that? So I simply told him, I think there's a presence, and it wasn't a friendly one. So he taped up a string of Christmas lights to our bedroom wall so it was never completely dark. So as the weeks passed, I began to grow so negative, depressed, anxious, and my boyfriend and I were constantly fighting. Meanwhile, this thing was feeling louder and more present, and the nights began to feel unbearable. I work at a restaurant, so I tend to get home pretty late. And I almost never eat at work, so I always come home and make food around 10 or 11. Around that time, almost every night, I would love to make myself a quick stir-fry. I would chop up some veggies, fry an egg, and cook some rice noodles and call it a night. One morning, my dad came up to me and looked concerned. He told me that he heard me in the kitchen chopping up veggies, getting ready to make my nightly stir-fry, but it was 3 a.m. He was surprised I was eating so late, so he got up to use the bathroom and noticed that the kitchen lights were off. He was confused, but saw this as a fun opportunity to scare me. So he said he tiptoed into the kitchen and he jumped out to say, boo, and there was no one there. He was alarmed and confused. Then he checked my room and saw my boyfriend and I both asleep. What in the actual fuck? 
safe to say my fear was kicked into overdrive. Then soon after, one afternoon, my boyfriend and I were watching a movie in bed when I drifted off to nap. I then found myself in a state of sleep paralysis, and this has happened to me before, so I wasn't too worried. And with sleep paralysis, they say if you can wiggle a toe or your pinky, you can get out of it pretty quick. So I tried my best not to panic, and I began to wiggle my pinky on my boyfriend's stomach. But then I decided to look around. What I saw was my room, but it was different. The furniture was rearranged. The TV was on, except it was frozen on a cartoon image that had static around it. Then I turned to look at the scary corner, and there she was, standing. An abnormally tall woman, except her face and body were distorted with static around her as well. Her smile was large and out of proportion to the rest of her features. Her eyes small and black. Her hair was big, frizzy, and fiery red. She just stared and smiled. I felt the intense fear take over me and the same feeling I felt every night in bed. I started to wiggle my pinky on my boyfriend's stomach faster. Then she bolted toward me got up close to my face, and screamed at me. Her voice sounded like a high-pitched shriek, shrill, and evil. She was about half an inch from my face, and she screamed, Where are my children? I can still hear her voice. I then continued wiggling my finger faster and faster. I could feel it on my boyfriend, and I'm panicking, pleading myself to wake up and get out of this state. Hoping my boyfriend would fill my pinky and wake me up, I start to cry and panic, and she's screaming and screaming, about to grab onto me, and I finally wake up. I turn to my boyfriend, I break down and cry hysterically. I tell him about my experience and ask him if he felt my finger on his stomach, and he said no. It was awful, you guys. I literally was afraid to sleep for days after. At this point, I told my boyfriend, I think there's a demon here and I'm going crazy. Thankfully, he didn't think I was losing it and believed me. He then told me he was starting to feel a bit uneasy in the room as well, but he knew I was going through a hard time and didn't want to scare me or pile on the stress. So one day, I had enough and decided to take matters into my own hands. I did it all. Sage, Palo Santo, energy clearing, healing incense, and crystals. I went into my room and announced for 10 minutes to the presence that it wasn't welcome. It had to leave. That this home was a home of love and peace and there was no room for evil and it had to go. That I'm no longer afraid of it and I will not stand for it anymore. And then it stopped. The room felt lighter. The entire apartment felt lighter. I haven't had sleep paralysis since and I started going to therapy as my depression and anxiety had gotten to the worst it's ever been. I couldn't do it alone. Thankfully, I'm doing a lot better and my boyfriend and I barely ever argue and just overall life feels brighter. Even to this day, over a year later, I still struggle with sleep issues like falling asleep or waking up in a panic attack or waking up gasping for air. But with therapy, I'm working towards fixing that and trying to not let it bother me too much and to be optimistic that my nights will get easier. That was one of the worst times in my life, and even today I'm convinced it was something more sinister than a ghost. 
it was a demon. Thank you for reading, ladies. I can't wait to share more stories with y'all. Creep it real and don't get scared, Maria. I mean, how do you even deal with that when you're like, I don't know where your fucking kids are. I don't know who you are. Right? I don't have them. I don't want them. Oh, my goodness. Also, not saying you, Maria, how Donna Reddit was giving me very Macaulay Culkin Home Alone vibes. I said, I'm not afraid of you anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah. It's exactly what you sounded like. It was. It was. Oh, gosh. (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs) Hey, it worked, okay? He wasn't afraid of him anymore, and she got the demon out. But seriously, like it, of course, y'all were fighting more and it was causing more anguish because. Oh, then, absolutely. Yeah, it was feeding off of that. So the more it caused, the more it, the stronger it got. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Just so lucky that you were intuitive enough to like see it and know and. Yeah. Do all the things. Yeah. Oh, because most people will reason it away until it's too late or. Not even know how to do all the things that you did to be able to go in the room and be like, okay, I said I'm not afraid anymore. <laughs> Why do you have to keep bringing it up, okay? Oh, my gosh. And also, good on your boyfriend because, like, stringing up the Christmas lights so it's not dark ever, you know, completely yeah. dark. That's so sweet. And just being supportive. That's right. amazing. Not shutting you down or belittling you. But right. just, like, yeah, absolutely. Also, can we talk about... That this demon, this lady, had little black eyes, okay, and a smile. So, uh, look, the eyes and the smile. I'm just saying, that's like three stories out of eight that have something about, like, a really big smile or a perfect smile or whatever. So you can tell a lot about a spirit based on their, their eyes and their mouth. Remember you said... I don't think it was a doppelganger. You thought it was something else. When Azana wrote in, was asking, like, what do we think? You right, Carrie, if this is... You heard it here, folks. Don't you hate it when the last thing, when you think you're going to get away with it, and then those meddling kids send in an email, and it sounds exactly like the other one, and it says it's a demon. (laughs) 30 fucking years of friendship, and she finally figures it out. I've been right this whole mother. Okay, Paula Gertrude, settle down now. (laughs) You really want to get started, Bloody Mary? Okay, look. You really want to get started? The first episode, you said the name wrong. That was a reasonable error. (laughs) But you did it first. You know, you're the one that gave us this name that nobody understands. (laughs) But they like it when they do. Oh my gosh. Thank y'all so much for sending all these amazing stories in, even though they had all the creepy smiles and eyes. We still love them. But if you want your story read, send it in aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.